Gina turned to us the other day and she's like, oh yeah, it's great. And she looked at you and she's like, you're the one who creates anxiety. And then she looked at me and she's like, and you're just incomprehensible. Rich. What's up, Paul? You and I are pretty good at taking critical feedback from the team. Long pause. Well, there's been a lot of critical feedback from the team over our time here at Postlight. Yeah, and we build on that and we learn. We're in a state of learning. So you and I said something. <laughs> we said something we shouldn't have said on a podcast a couple podcasts ago. What did we say? We said that Postlight had a terrible, didn't really have an internet and we needed one and we were going to have an internet within six months, damn it. And we said, let's commit to this. Are we going to commit? And you said, yes, let's commit. And I was like, yeah. I don't remember any of this, but it's in the transcript. So it went out. And Gina Trapani. Hi, Gina. Hey, Paul. Who is a listener of the podcast as well as a managing partner here at (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. A listener to the podcast. Well, that's part of your job. Well, yeah. Now that there's more people working in marketing, are you going to stop listening? Be honest. Be honest. Everything. Maybe she enjoys no it, Paul. No, <laughs> no. Do you, she spends so much time with us? Do you? You imagine what it's like to have to be like? I have to give up a That's bus a, ride. Well, let's start this podcast that way. Why do you listen to track changes? Because it's important to know what you all are putting out in the world in the name of Postlight. Fair. Also, I just like to bust your chops. So listen, it was a couple weeks ago. I'm mm-hmm. walking down like Caton Avenue. I'm walking mm-hmm. to my bus, catch my express bus. For and people I'm, who aren't from New York City, that's a very legitimate place to be walking. <laughs> yeah, she's not playing games. And I got my headphones on and Siri gives me the little prompt. There's a new episode of Track Changes. I'm like, oh, let's see what Rich and Paul are up to today. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm doing the thing where I'm like talking back at you. In the podcast on the street, like it looks like you know, normally you'd be in your car yelling at the podcast host. I'm walking down Kate Avenue. I was like, "Are you serious? What are you talking about? You don't know where to go to get policies." Of course, everybody knows that you go to Basecamp. That's what we use here at Postlight, except for Rich and Paul. I'd like to use Basecamp. It's so funny. We, except I it mean, is a giant jumbled pile of stuff. You know, it was, I don't know, it was about a year ago and we were like, okay, stuff in Slack all gets lost. Everything in Google Drive is sort of hidden. We need a place to like organize our stuff, to have our schedule and our tasks and our documents. And so this sort of committee. What some might call an intranet. It, what some might call an intranet. And this kind of committee formed inside the company that was like, you know, we need an easy way to track these things. We need a little bit more accountability. We need a, a way to create a task and assign it to a person and a date. And so we did a bunch of research, this committee, led by one of our managing partners, Jeremy Mack. Mm-hmm. And we were like, all right, look, it's not the best tool in the world, but it'll fulfill a lot of our needs. Let's use Basecamp. And so got managers on board, got people on board. We spent all this time moving over our policies and documentation and the company calendar and all the all hands notes. And we roll out Basecamp and Rich and Paul hate it. I wouldn't say hate. I Here's, I mean, <laughs> See? in a real way, the way that I work with and interact with people in the organization is not captured by the tool. And so it's an intense cognitive load every time I go in. Because I'm not living in folders, hutches, scamper pods. Base camps. 
yeah. projects. <laughs> Campy damps. Yeah. Whatever the hell it is. Is what? that the noun? Projects? There's projects and there's teams. And here's the thing. Listen, like, whatever the hell it is. I don't want to get into this. I don't want to be a necessarily a base camp critic or a cheerleader. I think it has its like strengths and it has its weaknesses. It has a lot of users. It's a successful yeah. software as a service product. I just like, I covered productivity tools and collaboration tools for years at Lifehacker. And the big takeaway from me is that like, it's only whether or not you use, use it. it. It's yeah. not necessarily like the tool. Of course, you're going to use a tool that you really love. So it helps if you love it and you two don't like it. So I was yelling at you on Caton Avenue because I was like, we basically have an intranet, but Rich and Paul just don't look at it because it, it just, it doesn't jive with the way I'll you work. I'll tell you what, you can say you're welcome because we just saved you six months of development time. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we are with the intranet. <laughs> but let me ask you this case, the announcement to the company. Yeah. So when we have our all hands, after the all hands, we post that to the general post light HQ on Basecamp. Like that's a message that gets posted and there's a the, snippet and Slack. The transcript, the transcript, of the agenda, the all, all the things that we, yeah. Okay. But what if we just need to announce something? Like I said, it doesn't cover all the use cases. I mean, we're a pretty Slack-centric culture at Postlight. There so is that. It, it, there's general, right? We would post something in general. General channel. Yeah, we Slack. don't we don't do the all employees memo. The challenge with that is that stuff gets washed away. Yeah, in, stuff. In, Slack in, is in Slack. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a river that's constantly just constantly. S- sweeping away for sure. I'm sort of Fine. persuaded. I mean, by I'm, this. I'm happy. I mean, it's that weird. We... I feel like I lost the battle. I still won't log into Basecamp, <laughs> but I agree with Gina. So well, I just feel six months of development time. We just got back. That's I, good news. I, yes. I arrived at the office and I walked into Paul and I said, Paul, what is wrong with you? We use Basecamp. Log into Basecamp right now. And Paul was like, no, no, I don't know. I don't. And I said, do it. And I made you log into Basecamp. And then I said, okay, Paul, click on that. Hey, you got a little red ball there. And he was like, no, no, I don't. I said, click on it. Click on it. I hate that and thing. You, d- you did it. Can I talk about how much and I hate that? Hey. Just, hey, 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 hey. We don't know how fonts work. Look at us. Uh, hey, hey. What's the hey? It's your Explain this it's, little it's, notification. It's your notifications. It's your hey. Things you should, you should pay attention to, yeah. right? Yeah, I get yeah. this email every morning. It says, hey. And I went in for the first few times. And then after a while, I said to myself, this isn't actually lining up with how I think about prioritizing my day, and I never went back in. I mean, it's completely fair. I, you know, this is interesting. I mean, we're glossing over it, but I don't know why that dissonance exists for me with Basecamp. It didn't click in. And, you know, another managing partner, Jeremy, also pointed out that Paul and I are terrible because we won't use any of the tools. And that's been that's said not, to us not, explicitly. It's not totally which is, true. Which is, by the way, speaks to the open communications that exist amongst partners yes. in Postlight. Absolutely. But also how much it hurts to hear that in my heart. And I thought about it some more and I said, well, wait a minute. Am I like slowing people down? Am I unproductive? Am I hurting other people's wow. productivity? It's a moment of self-reflection. Okay. It is. And I also realized another thing, which is, look, I'm sitting at the top of a company Who's going to drag me by the ear into the room and say, dude, could you just open up Basecamp for a minute and just do some things? Which left me thinking, you know, I think you need to really empathize with where everyone is sitting relative to you. Yeah, it's real. But then 10 minutes later, I said, to hell with that. I'm the president of Postlight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is is like an actual paradox of leadership, right? Which is that, A, every leader is a bottleneck. Yes. They're perceived by the people on the ground as a bottleneck. Yes. Doesn't matter if you're inspirational or not. They just, everybody knows that if they come to you, Mm -hmm. it's going to slow everything down. And if you get involved, it can actually create a failure state and no one knows how to tell you that. And so then you have to like set up, you know, these sort of buy-in moments. I've had people tell me they needed a thing. I failed to get the thing to them. 
time will pass. It will pop up into the essentially scrambled guacamole that is my brain and remind me of how I owed someone something 48 hours ago. And I'll walk up to them really embarrassed, actually. Yeah. Not embarrassed. I am the president of the company, but not feeling good, being completely sincere, not feeling good. And you know what they would say to me? They would say, I could tell you were really busy. And I felt even worse yeah. when they said that to me. Interesting. Because you, well, you were really busy on like YouTube. I watched the some YouTube yeah, once in a while. Same level of typing. No, but that's no excuse. That is no excuse because they asked me for a thing and I actually take pride in the fact that I'm going to get you the thing. I'll never do that to a prospect. I'll tell you that. No, accountability. Never slip on a prospect. And no, I'm not screwing around. I had other things. No, you had other things and people can see it. We got an open floor plan. You yeah. can see if we're rushing around dealing with a fire or getting a proposal out. Or, yeah, but know. people give us a lot of... of anyway, well, because you're the bosses, right? No, but that's not fair. It's not just not fair. It actually... So what's just, hard? It is what it is. It is reality. Regardless I think of, that's yeah. the, 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 it is the dynamic that's in place. Right? Here's where is, I'm not going to go yell at the boss because he told me he'd get me the thing. But here's where it's a failure, right? Which is that we are, as the owners and managers of the business, really motivated to get rid of bottlenecks and get clarity and to move things along. And so like people are protecting us, but the reality is we'd rather be bothered so right. that we could unlock whatever's going on. And it's, it's just really tough to manage because also I need the protection. If I had to manage my own calendar fully, I would be about a third less productive. Right, you need somebody tapping you on the shoulder and being like, hey, remember this? Yep. I mean, we're not at that level, but there are those executive assistants that are like superheroes. Watching your calendar yeah, and not putting just watching your lunch your in front like, of you and getting the, rearranging yeah. the call and being like, oh, actually they're running 10 There's minutes late. I'll call on the lift. that's and, handed to you. Yeah, I mean, like you got a stain in your shirt. Here's mm -hmm. the clean one. Yeah, yeah. yeah the really good EAs that, will, are doing that that's for you. A whole, we're, we're not that. Well, they're essentially product managers where you're the product. <laughs> No, that's exactly. right. Yeah. That's right. That's a real thing. And also they will tell you their success and failure is based on actually catching you off your game. That's actually what they do. But someone who is on the ground, we're not, we're outside the reporting structure. It's silly to look at an org chart and put us at the top of it. That's not real. That's actually not what's in place. What's in place is an org structure that makes sense designers, leader designers, directors of design, because they're talking to each other, they're communicating, they're collaborating, they're educating each other. And then there's us who are a little alien, but every so often they have to come out of the structure and ask us for a thing. And I think we have to be more sensitive. And I think leaders can learn from this to understand that they're not going to go much further than that. They're not going right. to go and jam this into yeah. your priority list. They're yeah. just going to ask you once, probably not bring it up again. And that'll be that. You know what I've seen people do? I've seen people say, could you just go over to Rich? They'll go over to someone else, like another partner, and say, can you tell Rich that I need that thing? Well, I mean, also because you, as the leader of the company, is are also the ultimate customer of their work. So if mm -hmm. you were the blocker, that person isn't going to get <laughs> you dinged if you were the blocker, right. you know? Yep. I mean, the other interesting thing, you know, I've been a Postlight for four years and I started and I've kind of moved up a few levels, right? So I was closer to the individual contributor when I started and now I'm closer to you all now. And it's really interesting just to see how at the higher level, your tools are different and your view on what's going on in the company is different. Some of your prioritization is different. And so like, it's interesting, you know, we've had other tools similar to Basecamp clockwise and paper and things kind of come up from the ground up and people start to use them. And I've had this eye really like, oh, like that's just not for me or I'm not doing the work on the grounds. So those aren't the tools that I use. So I'm not in that system. So I'm not prioritizing those things. So I completely, you know, empathize with you all mm -hmm. being like, you know, this mm -hmm. just doesn't work for us. And this isn't it's, how we work. Yeah. It's not just so. that too. I mean, our 
our view of the world foundationally, and I sort of knew this about executive work, but I didn't fully internalize it until we had this role, which is that it's all about risk management as opposed to getting something done. So everyone in the yes. company has to get stuff done. That's a very big shift and one that I'm still making. Well, here's why. It's because all the things that actually gave you a sense of productivity and meaning in your work, I got it done. It was very close to the deadline. It was really high quality. I presented it to the people. They gave me some feedback and I, I was complete. I went home on the weekend. I felt, boy, did I do a good job. 20 years of my life. Now I'm doing this. Here, it, it's more like that looks good, but that client has some ups and downs and I'm worried that they're going to reject it, at which point we're going to slip on two or three other things. I don't want to demoralize the employee by giving them feedback about something that's out of their control, but we do need to manage the situation. Who can I talk to? Because I can't get directly involved. I can only move things around through influence yes. because I can actually see a weird fireball. Then again, I might be worried about absolutely nothing. Maybe I should just shut up and let it happen and see what happens happens because I don't think it'll blow up that relationship. So repeat that 60, 70,000 times a day. And that is running the company. Yeah. And, and you're experiencing this more and more. Rich has been doing it for 10 years longer than I have. And that means that my tools don't really matter that much anymore, frankly. Right. Like I make lists. I have to keep things in my head. I look through the cards in the CRM to know about, you know, sales leads I need to keep on top of. I don't care too much anymore. And I'm, I love my tools. Good leadership translates stress to tasks. If you're a good leader, you are not passing down that anxiety and that stress, but instead what you're doing is you're delegating and holding people accountable to things that they can... Pro Look, I make more money than most of the people here at Postlight, but there's a barter there. I worry about the existential threat to Postlight mm -hmm. all the time. We've come to an agreement, and that is I'm going to do my job really well. I'm going to play my role really well. You worry about the big thing, and you can keep I've had We've had partners here tell us, I don't want what you have, in fact. This is my line. I want no more than this. I want to do good work. I want to build a great team. I do not want to worry about whether this thing is going to burst into flames or not. They just didn't want, they don't want that stress. Let, in let's their be lives. clear. That's a particular personality and capability and desire. Like, that's a thing. But also, also I spent a lot of time understanding that barter in my life. And I used to think, like, oh, give me the pain. Let me see how I do. I mean, I will say, anybody listening to this who's in the company or outside who wants to stress, Talk to us. <laughs> there's an opening. Yeah, no, there's there's more money for more stress. Horrible. If you can take this dystopian job description if, that if we want. You, if you can take just a little bit of this pain away, I will compensate you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's true though. Taking uncertainty and ambiguity and stress and risk and turning it into a plan and here are the next steps and this is what you're going to do and having shielding the folks underneath you from the stress but giving them you know solid next steps. That's a great leader. That's that's you a, know the, that's the job. Leader. The worst leader is the one that unleashes it on their people. Yeah. Not in stress, but in power, in uh, fear. In uh, the worst I ever saw was a person who stood in front of a room of 50 people and went, if we don't get this, I will get fired. Like, how does that going to inspire what? anyone? And this can translate into how you are as a human being. Some people let it out on their people. Yeah. And then when they go home, they let it out on their family. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's that's real. And that's hard because I'd like to think that my stress is compostable because otherwise, if you bury it, it's a horrible thing. It turns into acid reflux or something. Yeah. You know, you try to do other things that are going to let that energy out. So it's just sort of... I've seen you bury your stress. It, it lasts about 10 to 15 minutes. And then, and then what happens? And then the explosion occurs. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I'm just going to just take this as it comes. I'm tired of freaking out about everything. I'm just going to just calm down... <laughs> <laughs> and let this play out. Tick, tick, 
tick. What the hell are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> oh, and then and then you have the conversation with Red Tree. He's like, "What? Why did this happen? Why are we doing this this way? Oh, this God. doesn't make any sense." And you're like, "Uh oh." It's actually real. Like the, the we've learned. I've learned this over and over. Right. Yeah. Like I, for me to be successful here and with other people, I can't just let what's in my brain come out. I have to literally, I mean, and, and I think this is the weird side effect. And if you talk to other people who lead companies, it, this happens. You say the same damn thing over and over and over again. You never stop saying it. And then every year or so, you kind of change the script. You go like, okay, you know what? I learned that that's not working over here. I've been saying this is the process we should follow. Mm-hmm. And you like, we literally just did it this year. We introduced a new acronym for how we should think about engagements it's and a new framing re- our thinking in a yeah. big way. I would reboot and restart my thinking and and come up with new processes. And I'm not kidding. On like a daily basis, right? That's how my life used to go. And if I do that now and I do that with Rich, it's chaos. It's absolute chaos for everybody. So yearly or quarterly, and that's where those time frames come out of, right? Is that that's a reasonable amount of time to ask people to learn to work and think in new ways to be more effective. And coming up with that, it's so strange to sit in a room and think for a month and a half about an acronym and how we're going to communicate it. It is. And I can tell there's still a lot of people who are still processing it. Definitely. Even to this day, they're still not really fully getting what it is because people look at anything like that through the lens of the metrics of their own success, always. They're wondering, how did I do on this score? They're scoring me differently now. What is this new measurement tool that they're using? And that's normal. Like, that's not selfish at all. That's just people thinking professionally, how am I succeed in my job? How do I succeed in my job? I'll tell you, this has been hard for me as a writer because as a former journalist, any confusion was bad. So you craft all the confusion away. People have to get the point of the story or you failed. Whereas in this environment, it's utterly fine for them to go, what's this bullshit for like a week or so? And then they go like, oh, I guess this is real. That's not so bad because it's their lives, not just them reading some freaking article. But boy, did that take me a while to learn. What does this mean for me? Yeah, is the yeah. immediate reaction to just about anything you put in front of it. Like you know, there's there is the, the the aspirational sort of you know we're gonna make the world a better place. We're gonna get rid of paper towels or whatever it may be, and that's meaningful and people can latch onto that. We are the other extreme of that. We are an agency. We are for hire. We do frame ourselves in the context of a mission around our craft and doing good work and things like that and quality work. But it's hard. It's hard because people still are thinking about their trip to the the Pacific. Because it's really clear about what the transaction is here, which is you come level up your career and you get paid a salary and... You can either lock into the culture and stay, or you can maybe one day you might go do something. Like it's understood what an agency is. When you go work for do-gooder organizations, it's some of the most vicious politics imaginable. Yeah, like because yeah. there isn't yeah. that like you know it's, it's unbelievable. What we, I we witness it. It's what I have learned over the last couple of years, right, is that that's the healthiest, most normal thing. Just always predict it and factor it in. Have an answer for it. What's it mean for me? Well, let me tell you. And like that can be a slide in the deck and don't fight it. It's not a bad thing at all. It's totally, it's a job. Back to the internet. (laughs) Leaders don't want intranets. Do you know what leaders want? Because intranets are communication tools. Leaders don't want that. Leaders want to be terminal. They want a dashboard. A dashboard is, if it's a good one, an objective representation of various metrics of success or failure that they can stare at. And there are rarely humans on a dashboard. 
it's usually metrics revenue revenue units sold market spend and how effectively is that translating into clicks etc etc because if we set up the process we can't then get involved in the process all we can do is hope to gain insights in the vulnerabilities of the system. Basecamp is about all we see can the do. risks on so, the horizon before they're upon us, eh, before exactly. it's blowing up in our faces. So Basecamp is about process. It's about getting things done in often in a recurring way or as a group. Yeah, I mean, I think the impetus of the internet conversation was like, we use all these different tools, new ones happen here and there. How does anybody go to one place and know where do I go to know what the next company event is or where do I file my expenses, right? I get that. And that's a communication tool for people. It's empowering the people who work here, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also like a big Absolutely. You know, part of, Absolutely. of the job of leaders, yep. their dashboard to get stuff done without yep. having to ask or check with someone. And what you're talking about is the leadership dashboard of how do I see those risks, you know, on the horizon. That's actually something that shouldn't necessarily Correct. be exposed to everyone if part of leadership's job is to shield the floor from anxiety and just do great work now because that's going to bring us great work later. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's anything worse than a leader descending in altitude like 50,000 feet, joining an email thread and applying their very particular lens and imposing themselves on the work at that point. It's almost like an audit. You're just saying, you know what? I got to be able to spot check. It's like when they go and they ask for every thousandth package cookie box off the assembly line. I just got to see one. I, I, I get the sales are going good. You got to give me a, a box of cookies. Every 50,000th is going to go cookie. into my mouth. Right, right, Why right. does this taste like cardboard? Exactly. I get that because there's no dashboard that's really going to let you do a better job than just spot checking well, what's in, going on at any given point. In, time. in our world, right, the equivalent of the 50,000 cookies is looking at work about a month ahead, reviewing yeah. the plan when there's enough time to give feedback on engineering and design. If I see it the night before, all I can do is say, yeah. good job and clap like a seal. We've been talking about like what's good, what's bad, and communication and whatnot. Did you guys read this article about this woman executive... You can it. just say executive. You, you could just say executive. Yeah. The, I'm sorry. The, the, that's no. right. I don't know her name. Jen Jen Comer or something. Hmm. I no, forget her name. I don't know her it's name. It's the away bag. The away luggage oh, the away CEO. Person. Yeah. For those that don't know about this, Away is a very fast-growing startup. I guess I don't even know if they're a startup anymore. They sell travel bags, like the roller bags that have like a little charger in them. And Luxury kind of hard bag luggage. Hard bag yeah, luggage yeah. Thing. Former Warby Parker folks have been lots of experience in retail, kind of the Instagram bag. Yeah, and more uh, mail-order driven, yeah, like very suitcase. connecting with millennials and et cetera, et cetera. So this woman is the CEO, I believe she was and she was. now is again. And just... Just an absolute lunatic, just this overwhelming personality that just would insult, put pressure on you in an undue way, ask you to stay late, which you can ask people to stay late, you need the help, but would just take an absolute shit on you if you didn't. Just nightmare. Her her, her employees would hear her typing and could tell by the rate of how hard and fast she was typing how bad the Slack message was going to be. And they had like a total transparency policy in Slack where every single channel was public and DMs were forbidden. So everyone got upbraided publicly. Where was this article published? I think it was, was it BuzzFeed? The Verge, Verge. and it was a while ago. So a little while ago, an article came out. We're not talking out of school here. If you read the article, the actual messages from this person were pretty intense, and it was kind of a lot to put on your call center staff. Yes. 
right? Like it's not, kind these of. weren't, these weren't execs who were sitting next to her who were like, okay, here we go. I'm going right. to take my two by four to the head. Right. These are on the ground customer service folks yep. who were dealing with a queue of customers. So it was so kind of toxic that it became a big story. And I want to go back to what I said before, which is a good leader translates stress to tasks. She didn't bother with the translation. She just literally poured her stress. She just funneled it. Poured her anxiety right onto people in a toxic and unhealthy way and in a way that wasn't going to scale. I bet this isn't a bad person. I bet it's a really smart person. And I bet this is not a bad or evil person. It, you know, when you tell a story like this, this is someone who's going to make a lot of money or is making a lot of money. Very driven, <clears throat> very ambitious. Type A. On top of it, detail oriented. But if you don't know how to translate that in a way that people want to do it for you rather than out of fear or just like, oh God, here we go again. They're well, like, they're going to they're gonna call The Verge and share screenshots of Slack. They're going to quit. Yeah. They're yeah. going to burn out. They're going to make more mistakes. I'm not the polar opposite of this. Just to clarify, I try to be self-aware about it. I envy leaders who whisper to their group and everyone busts their Lines asses. Lines up and busts their asses because they want, want to. And they want to for the leader for the leader's sake and for their own, and they feel connected. Yeah, I know. That's but the it, hard part. There's always a sense of the stick well behind that carrot, though. You don't. And people are. I mean, sometimes people are motivated by love, but I don't know if I've ever met anybody. It might be you really like and respect them, but you're really afraid to let them down or to be met with their disapproval. Like that's it just fine, is but what that's it is. Okay, right? There's disapproval and there's respect. What are you looking for in the end? You're busting your butt because bonus time, when bonus time comes, they're going to say, you know, he busted his butt. So you get a better bonus. I mean, what are, what motivates people? You like your work environment. You like to support your coworkers. And you want to make more money and get promoted. Like, we're allowed to say that in 2020. You know, in many environments where people speak more idealistically, ultimately money is very meaningful because it's freedom for people. And that's okay. That's totally normal. That's okay to be driven by that. As long as there's respect in the environment and there's opportunity that's given, right? And fairly given. That's a big, but that's a lot and of- fairly given. And a lot of what people given. are upset about in the world right now is, is the opportunity fairly distributed? Right. Yeah, look, compensation is obviously a very big part of it, but there's also just like status amongst your peers. I've worked with execs who I admired so much and I wanted to gain their trust so I could get closer to them to learn more. Like mm. that also can be a motivator for a leader or, or for someone who wants to do better and be a leader. It is tough though. There's ruling by love and there's ruling by fear and both of those things come with their difficulties. Well, neither one's neither one's ideal. Neither one is ideal. So it's a an lot unholy... of leaders are, are a combination of those things. It's both uh, like... A... It's always a combination of yeah. Look, that was a, a wonderfully juicy story that had an extreme example of someone that who knows, right? Maybe 90% of the time you've got a totally brilliant, pleasant person to work with, but you've got cut and paste evidence yeah. of this nightmare scenario, right? That should never get to that. I know I can be tough at work, but I'm also aware of it. Sometimes I ask people to hear me out. Like if I need to talk to person X, I'll speak to person Y for a while about it and sort of let it out a little bit before I speak to person X, just to sort of let some steam out. That's normal. We're human. I mean, this yes. is part of it. But disrespect and threat, I mean, bullying. If She was a bully. Yeah, I mean, she said she she, she looked at those transcripts, transcripts and felt embarrassed about things that she had said. Right. I mean, certainly her failure was the way that she spoke to her staff. But there's also like this bigger thing of like, as the CEO of the company, she didn't have the training in place and she didn't have the staff in place that she needed to accomplish her goals. And that feels like a bigger failure. Why did she, she have to ask her staff to work the entire holiday? Because yeah. she hadn't hired the folks that she needed to hire to get, you know, it's all related. Yeah. She was late to the game. She was reactive rather than getting ahead of it. And they're victims go. of their own success. The company's doing really well. The brand 
was great. And they had more inbound yeah. that they were equipped to handle. Right. I got to say, too, I think if it had been a dude, he would just be an asshole boss. It's true. It was a juicier story because it was like a young woman. A young woman. I think, look, this is this podcast is entitled Intranets and How to Treat Each Other as Human Beings. Yeah, that's right. How, okay, what's, what are, I mean, we always try to leave with, you know, good marketing clues for people. I think people. we've given a lot of leadership advice. That's right. So, what, what, are, what, are, what is our big, you know, at career growth? What's your big advice for people who want to move towards leadership? What do they need to do? I would love to hear Gina's response to that question because what we've watched with Gina is someone that went from senior, but you know, kind of amongst the group to right to the top of post light. So, what have you learned? I've learned so much here. I've been in school here. I've always said that Postlight's the biggest company that I've ever worked for. Right? I've right. either founded my own companies or worked at pretty small yep. startups. I mean, Gawker got really super big, but I was really kind of only in charge of Lifehacker. So, I mean, this is literally the first company that had an HR person that I've worked at. So, I wanted to learn. I came in with a sense of sort of humility and wanting to learn, and I came in and tried to do a good job at my job, and then see where else I could help without threatening anyone too much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I helped where I could. And when I couldn't, I said, can I sit in and listen? And can I ask some like dumb questions? I mean, you two in particular, and everyone who listens to the podcast knows this, are like very willing to share what you know and talk about what you think and share your opinions. And both of you actually are naturally teachers. So that worked to my advantage because I could say, mm -hmm. hey, Rich, how does sales work here anyway? What does sales look like? I didn't have any aspirations to necessarily to get into sales, but I wanted to understand more. You um, wanted to see how the machine worked. I did. I did. And you said it. I remember you saying, I want to see how this machine works. Yeah, because I, I was getting allocated to a client project and I was writing code every day, all day, but I was kind of like, what? How does a bill become a law? What happened before yeah. that? You well, know, you were seeing growth in? around you too. Yes. Yeah. My whole career growth path has been driven purely by like my own sort of curiosity and desire to just sort of like help out where I could help out. I What's, stepped on some toes. I've made folks feel threatened or wonder what I was doing there. That, uh, that's happened. Gina, there is no ladder. It's just <laughs> other people's bodies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One sentence response. Living bodies. What's the... That's even worse. Yeah. You're like knocking the wind out of them. I know, I know. What One sentence, one piece of advice you'd give to someone who wants to elevate into leadership. Go in not trying to prove what you know, but learn from the person who is ahead of you, aside you, has different experience from you. Go in with that sense of humility, humility and openness. Show me what you got. Tell me more about what you do. Just a point of pride about Postlight. We didn't talk about politics and how people find their way up and wriggle their way through an org by aligning themselves. And one of the things I'm proud of at Postlight is that there's not a lot of it. You can't buddy up to leadership to get ahead at Postlight. And Unfortunately, that's not how it works in many, many, many places. And that is part of it. The good places actually give you opportunity and support you to grow into leadership. Well, they have to let you advocate for yourself without throwing somebody else under the bus. Right. And that, right. that is rare. Something that we're mindful of and that we're going to try to preserve yeah. because it, as we grow, it is people just start to go like, well, why would you give that to Sally? Yeah. We're small and we're growing, but so it's an unfair comparison in many respects. Oh, yeah. A place of 20,000 is going to have it's what it's going to have, but that's real. I have a pretty simple rule for people who are trying to figure out the next step is just you have to figure out how to stand next to the person who's doing what you want to do. 
it's the simplest thing, but it's like, if you want to be a writer, you have to go be near the other writers. And if you want to go be a, an executive leader, you need to go work for an executive leader. There's yeah. no secret knowledge. The hard stuff really shows itself fast yeah. when you get next to the leadership. Yeah. Trust me, billionaires are reading the same magazines that you are. Yeah. Like it's not, totally. it's, they don't have like a super secret everything yeah. unless they want it and then they can have that. Right. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. um, <laughs> well, there is that, the disaster chamber or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, there's always one of those. Like they, yeah. like you can get your own like apocalyptic fallout shelter. Yeah, no, no, I, they all they all get nice things. They get private jets and yeah. you know they, extra helpings. You can spend a couple million dollars and get much better information, and then that's kind of it. You know enough. Just go stand next to people so you can learn how it works. We've been talking about post light a lot, Paul. You know we have. We've been yeah. talking about leadership. We're, this is how you make the products. We talk a lot about engineering design and product management, but the actual like origin of making the products is conversations like this. Ooh, that's heavy. It's real because um, our clients aren't usually engineers. They're like leaders yep. in the org. And a lot of strategy, a lot of conversation. They might have been engineers. Solving. Yep, well, it's real. And they're, they're, they're trying to change something about their business and their yep. business is made of people and they have to communicate that, those changes and the impetus behind them and right. what the software, what the role of software is going to play in them. We've got some really ways. cool, exciting stories, case studies to share in the near future around the work we've been doing. Some really cool work's been happening at Postlight, so we'll be sharing that soon. We'd love to hear from you. How should they reach out to us, Paul? Well, let me throw that question over to Gina. She's leadership. You should send us an email to hello at postlight.com. Oh my God. The way you, you make it sound so much nicer. Much you can also pleasure. tweet at us. We're at Postlight now. We dropped we the are. studio. That's right. We're we like Cher, Madonna. That's We're just Postlight. Thank yeah. you yes. to our friends at Twitter. Yes. Thank you, Twitter. Yeah, thank you, Twitter. Hey, Gina, thanks for giving us thank the you, truth. Gina. I'm ready to podcast. lead. I'm ready to lead mm. after this. We have... Have a great week, everybody. We left a lot out. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah we did. We did. But we'll, we'll get to it. It's in, part of a series. Look, this is <laughs> part this one is, of 10. This is episode 200. So by about episode <laughs> 600, we'll have some freaking clue what we're doing. Um, but hello at postlight.com. We kind of do know what we're doing. We'd love to talk to you. Have a great week. <laughs>